0: My name's Adam, and I'm in Manchester.
1: And I'm Neil, and I'm in London. And How the devil are you, sir? I'm very well, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. Apologies for
0: our listener that may have missed... (laughs) Sorry, Mum. You missed the the episode last month. Logistics just got in the way, which is the first time it's happened. Uh, I was away for a little while, and you actually... Got on a
1: plane, I believe. I I escaped twice. Well, so, well, and, and well, four times really, because I came home. Um, uh, yeah, no, I escaped Plague Island, as as we're so charmingly called by most of Europe at the moment. Um, yeah, I went to, went out to Munich for a couple of nights to a rather uh, charming hotel, the Bayerischer Hof, uh, which has the distinction of having, on one hand, a of vicks kind of cocktail or tiki lounge, um, and on the other hand, uh, has or will have, again, a, a three Michelin-style restaurant. I mean, talk about covering all your bases. And then the following week, I was in, uh, went to Geneva and then into France, went to Mergev, um where they're having a, they have a charming little uh, food festival um, every year. A lot of the ski resorts, and I think probably doubly so now, Trying to push themselves as places of interest, places to go outside of ski season. But there are things to do. That there is a life there. There are is shopping. There is a lot of very good food. And a lot of cheese. Um, so yeah, they no, very very pleasant. And uh, yeah, I mean, and, and what about yourself, though so? well, Apart from the one obvious trip that I know about. <laughs> well, yes, obviously, came
0: came well. Yeah, came down south. Uh, it was great to catch up. Um, some of the amazing places we went to. I think, first of all, for me, it was great. I lived in London for, what, several years and going back to some some of the old pubs that we used to frequent when I was living down there, like the Lamb and Flag in Covent Garden and the Imperial in Leicester Square where we always used to go after we'd been to a movie screening, was was great to get back to. But, yeah, I mean, Jay Shiki was just superb. Ligaric, like as it always is, and Bruto, which I think... Uh, you you actually went to was it just before it opened and then we went about a week later.
1: Yeah, no, I I interviewed the uh, founder Russell Norman for Food and Travel magazine, and then I, I've pretty much moved in since. Um, I've been uh, yeah went with you, been uh, with a couple of other people, uh, going again tomorrow. In fact, it has become a little bit of a haunt. It's and I, 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 it's just one of those. it's a bit like I, I, funny I look you mentioned Le Garrick. um for me legarrick always feels like a little bit of kind of backstreet Paris dropped into the the west end of London where the um the food's not the, the the highest end it's not the most elaborate it's not big and clever and and particularly detailed it's just really nice and I think and Bruto is doing the same for um sort of the the type of Trattoria you'd get in the middle of Florence.
0: It felt like, yeah, felt like we are in the back streets of of Italy somewhere, but what I loved, I couldn't believe, even though I knew about it, and you told me about it, that it had been open less than a week, but it felt lived in, but in a really nice way. It felt as though it had been there forever. It It was fantastic the way they'd set it up, fantastic the way everybody was about it. It just felt yeah, like it was almost an institution already, and it had been open less than a week.
1: Yeah, it's it's it, every every time I've been, I've, I've taken several uh, different people um, each time, and it's just been a joy. The uh, the staff are lovely. The food is really straightforward. The, you can get a five quid negroni. There's a seven quid affogato, which also includes a slug of brandy. I mean, what's what's not to like? Yeah.
0: Like it that. was just incredible. Yeah, I mean, it was great being back down down there and obviously been a long time, probably a couple of years since been out there and down there and eating and stuff. And yeah, I loved every minute of it. And whilst you were on a plane, we were in a car and went back up to Northumberland again, um, which was great. And a couple of places that we'd, we'd been to before up in Craster and that I've mentioned on here in the past, but Potted Lobster that got mentioned on Harry Bikers program. Actually, we were we were there the night that the Harry hairy bikers program um actually aired of, of some of the places in, in Northumberland and it was Potted Lobster. It
1: makes it the last time you could have got in for yeah, about... Exactly. Well, yeah. it,
0: you, you can't get in there anyway. I think what was quite interesting was they were sort of saying, um, oh, I'm gonna take you to the best fish and chip shop in Northumberland and it, I mean it's, the potted lobster is so much more than a fish and chip shop I mean it was great that they got the coverage but it was kind of like there is so much more I mean that the food is just absolutely exquisite and yeah again went back to the, the the kipper smokers and and things like that I had some time in North Berwick um as well we got friends up there so we went up to North Berwick for a couple of days and went to Tom Kitchen's place the the Bonnie Badger um which was was really nice really good stuff um yeah just we're out and about again aren't we and it it, it feels it feels good it does feel good
1: it does it does It's say uh, yeah parap- paraphrasing peaches and earth um, it's, uh, it's yeah it's it is it's, it's a little sense of reality whether um, we, we should probably all be wearing masks that a little bit more and, and still being careful. But it does feel, and there is this willingness, and certainly as, as we've always said, or as I've always said, the, the hospitality industry with its need for sort of hygiene, it's, it's switched so many times in terms of health rulings and health requirements that if anything is going to restore confidence and get people back out. It is the hospitality industry and and also the fact that so many of them you can now do the, the home delivery you can do pickup, you can do collections whatever there's so much more scope and it it does feel like there is this uh, people who maybe not been out and about uh, sort of spending the money uh just going out buying buying nice things to eat i know the, the hairy bikers effect so we've talked to the parker's arms many times on this they featured in the first episode of that show and have been absolutely rammed. You can't, you can't get a pie for love nor money apparently at the moment from there, which is uh, and it's a shame if you're trying to get a pie and you haven't booked, but it's, but it's lovely from them and hopefully we'll make sure they're still around well into 2022 and way, way beyond. So
0: definitely, definitely. I, I do have some other news for you. We've, people have actually responded on email to some of the things we've been talking about. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. Yeah, dad. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, The things we were talking about, you know, in the last episode about things that kind of irk us a little bit, you know, when I was talking about, you know, things like unsalted butter and those kind of things. we got uh, Sam from Manchester who was saying salt shakers that don't shake places that give you spoons. For desserts, uh, any mention with uh, any menu items that got allotment in the in the description. <laughs> uh, Alex in Stafford, she's on about uh, skinny lattes. What's the point? Uh, Rich in Congleton, uh, not enough bread with pate or crackers with cheese.
1: This is this is true. This is an issue. uh
0: beer that's pulled so it spills over the sides. Prefer to have less of a pint or not even a pint rather than have all of the beer that's spilling down the side. Uh, Mike in Newcastle, he agrees with me on the salad thing, but also uh, skim milk. What what's the point of skim milk?
1: Well, was, well if we if we get the Wilds well, at some point, hopefully we'll be speaking to the guys at Wilds Cheese, and we get Philip to uh, to talk about yeah. the skim milk. Yes, that'll, that'll be an entertaining forty minutes. It will. <laughs>
0: uh, anything anything that's described as pan fried, um, menus with more than five that are more than five pages long, or have got photographs. And he agrees with Sam as well, actually, around spoons, um, if you get spoons with cake. So, yeah, people have been uh, have been kicking in. So, uh, please do, you know, come. those little things that, like, irk you a little bit um, around the around food and drink. We're not on about the politics. We're not on about that side of it. We're <laughs> on about those, just those little things.
1: The hatred of spoons, yes, apparently, which is not something I ever no. saw coming. And I did come across another one the other day, and...
0: and um, that a friend of mine told me about was the one about how their menu caters for, um, all kinds of allergens and, um, and whatever. But at the bottom it said, uh, in really small type, that all of their food is prepared in the same kitchen and there's no guarantees around. Um, yeah. And you go, oh, hang on a minute. Uh, and actually there's another one that's coming for me and I've got, I've just got to say this, um, I was looking at a menu in a in a, a, book, a pub that I went to on Sunday. Um, I'm not going to mention any names. And instead of saying whether it was like vegan, gluten free, or whatever, alongside the description of the dish, it just had numbers. And it said, "Refer to our allergens number chart for what this means." And yeah, well, well, just tell me. Yeah. Just say that it's vegan friendly, or say that it's you know gluten free, or whatever. But I don't want to then go onto a Excel spreadsheet that's going to you know <laughs> go through all of this stuff about whether it contains nuts or kangaroo, or you know what? I, I don't want to do that. I want to know there and then so that I could order it without then.
1: Anyway. I'm, I'm having having been on the the other end of things, I know. I'm whatever the um, the old adage says, the customer is not always right. No. However, there is a point where you go they are the customer mm. <laughs> kind of make it easy for them well yeah I mean, we,
0: we talk yeah. about this don't we Some of the you know I see this in marketing a lot as those of the all three of you that listen regularly I work in marketing as well and it's all about making I hate this phrase but customer journeys as simple as possible if you've got to look at a menu item and then go Ah, right. Okay. So the pastry, the gravy, the whatever it may be. Oh, I need to refer to my Google Drive to find out whether I can actually <laughs> eat this. Really defeats kind of the dining feel, yeah. doesn't it? You know, but anyway. So, yeah, thank you so much for those of you that have, uh, have, have come in. Please keep them coming in. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. keep them coming. The email address so it's thebar at startersandsize.com. We're always at the bar. Um, at startersandsiders.com. So it'd be great to hear um, from, I mean, just on the, the other side of that, when we were talking about the, the standout things, what you're always looking for um, on a starters uh, list or on the sides, uh, Rich from Congressman was on about, always got to be prawns for him as a starter and Padron uh, Peppers as a as a side, always. Mm-hmm. So, So we have got the positive stuff. It's not just the negative stuff, but just those Absolutely. little irky things that, um, yeah, can drive you a bit mad every now
1: and again. Right, indeed, indeed. Uh, so, no, I think I think I'm just the two of us are going to have to revisit that every so often, anyway, because there's bound, be, there's bound to be something new that has really got my goat. Regular. Uh, somebody reminded me today of the when when you sit down in a restaurant, and looking at the menu, and somebody comes over and tries to explain the concept. Or that has anyone explained how the menu works? To which I will always cite um, our mutual friend Nick Ingmar, who has uh, who typically responds, "Is it a list of food from um, from which I order and you bring it?" Yeah. <laughs> Quite simple. <man. laughs> In which case, I think we're good. I think we've worked it out. Mm. So, yeah, but there we go. But I guess actually on the on the subject of of things that uh, irk um, and. Uh, words we'd rather not see used kind of leads us slightly tenuously to um, to our interviewee. Tell me about it. You were you were chatting. You were chatting away
0: something that's been bubbling in the news over the past sort of few weeks, and we've had a few discussions about this. But it's it's interesting to to see it from another viewpoint. So yeah,
1: tell. Us. Indeed. So I mean, the if if technology and and life hadn't got in the way of a previous podcast, we would have been broadcasting somewhere around the time of National Curry Week. And a few uh, months ago, there was a bit of a... uh, something blew up on whether we could still use the word curry. Was curry a lazy term? Um, It sort of led on to a much bigger discussion um, in terms of... Um, sort of cultural appropriation how we should be looking at things so did the one thing the the only thing we could possibly do in this in these circumstances and uh, go and speak to an expert so a couple of weeks ago um, the UK celebrated uh, National Curry Week Something's been going on since 1998 Mm. um, to promote Indian food ostensibly Mm. in the UK. Um, This year it became slightly different um, as a few months ago, uh, an American blogger had a video that went viral. A blogger called um, Chaheti Bansal um, had a video that went viral um, commenting on the use of the word curry. Um, that it needed to be retired when it came to Indian food. So it's a question we thought particularly relevant, uh, and there's only one person we could really uh, ask about uh, such matters. So I'm sitting here with um, Malika Basu, uh, Indian cookbook author, commentator and consultant, who's recently trained over 600 food and drink professionals on cultural appropriation, race and representation. Malika, thanks for your time. Thank
2: you very much for having me, Neil. So, um, can we still use the word curry? Well, of course we can. You know, it was interesting to see that Chahiti never actually said the word curry was racist. The word curry isn't racist. It's lazy, it's ignorant, and it's misused as a blanket term to describe the food of an entire nation. Uh, and that's the problem.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's, uh, yeah, we were commenting earlier that um, a lot of the, sort of the right-wing press or the the convenient headline for this story was curry is a racist term but as he correctly said she doesn't say that it's just it's a term that needs to be retired um but she also acknowledges that certain cuisines it does can still apply um so what should we be doing in terms of indian food what should we be calling dishes how can we do this properly?
2: Well, what we should be doing, Neil, is using the word curry appropriately. So, uh, the word curry is actually used in India to describe dishes with gravy, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. But what you can't do is confuse an Indian takeaway or a curry house with the cuisine of India, for instance. Mm -hmm. Or say, I'm going for a curry when you're going to an Indian restaurant that actually, in fact, serves up regional Indian cooking. Um, So I guess it's just understanding the nuances of what the word curry does describe and what it doesn't. And then relearning that lexicon and the language. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm desperate. We're, We're sitting in Malika's kitchen. I'm desperately trying not to refer to this as chai tea
2: um, <laughs> so I'm drinking chai if you say chai tea I will actually confiscate I... your cup of masala chai <laughs>
1: no I thought this I thought was much I mean it's, it's interesting I guess it, it just historically is something that I mean, and I guess the, the the nature of the the curry house that we had in going back to the, the what it was sort of 50s 60s um, and the type of food we were getting was quite one note and and it's something in a sauce, So I, I guess it kind of applied then. But as you say now, we're learning the nuances of different regions and different areas, uh, different types of cuisine. So, yes, maybe the time is ripe to sort of, yeah, the The, time,
2: the, the time is definitely ripe. And I think, you know, also I, I would like to clarify that I have nothing against a curry. I am not partial to coming home <laughs> after a long day's hard work and ordering a chicken tikka Mm Balti masala, you know, and and it Mm -hmm. tastes delicious, but it is not Indian food. Mm -hmm. You know, it is uh, food, it's English curry, it's been developed here um, for a very specific market by a certain cross-section of people who have put, you know, Bangladeshi silets, they've put a huge amount back into the economy. You know, this is a huge industry, and I think... Talking curry houses down and curry down doesn't do them any disservice. The hard work they put in, the amazing flavors they've created. The issue for a lot of Indians, unfortunately, is that it is confused with the food of India, mm. which is way different and you know completely a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. Yeah, no, it's, it's
1: interesting. I mean, one of the I've, I've written a few times in this nature of authenticity, um, and it, it's something. It's a term I find quite hard to. Define as you say. There are certain dishes that have been created for a British palate. There are things that, and again, when where do we where do we draw the line? Because I guess food constantly evolves. Um, we are constantly merging ingredients and, things, I, I guess, increasingly with the, the shortage of certain ingredients at the current time. Um, where, where do you stand on on such things all that kind of sort of fusion thing? i know we we, we need to discuss the, the the cultural appropriation topic as well, um having seen a lot of kind of sandwich bars and um, fast food places really misuse certain terms and I know that's something you 're um, very feel very strongly about
2: I do feel very strongly about cultural appropriation, and as you quite rightly said neil i've now done my talk on culture and mindset to almost 800 people in the food industry Um, and it's been really interesting because I think fundamentally people don't understand what the issue is. It's confused with a row about authenticity um, or, you know, almost that it stands in the way of progress or creativity, and that's not what it's about. Cultural appropriation is about taking something that means something to someone, you know, almost always implying a dominant culture, taking something that is precious to a a minority or marginalised community, and then misusing it, mishandling it. Now, if you borrowed a handbag, you probably wouldn't borrow a handbag, but if I were going to borrow a handbag, Bag and rent it out or do something with it, the responsibility would be on me to treat it right. And the row about cultural appropriation is exactly that. It's about taking food, which is culture, you know, just like an art is, literature is, you know, hairstyles are, how you dress uh, is also culture, um, and taking it and actually doing something to it that then offends or upsets the community that owns that ingredient or that recipe. So if you're going to borrow something from someone that means something to them, you have to treat it right. But that doesn't mean you can't take it and borrow it. In fact, there is a very fine line between cultural appropriation and cultural inspiration. So cultural inspiration is when you platform the communities, you champion them, you do your research properly, you find a way to monetize them, and that's essentially what the issue is here. I love fusion food. You know, fusion food has given way to mixed heritage cooking. Um, and you look at my own kids, I've got uh, two kids who are half Indian, quarter Peruvian and quarter English. If they were to write cookbooks, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what would be in them, they would be interesting for sure. Um, but the, the reality is now we're also seeing borderless cooking, where you lead mm-hmm. with the ingredients rather than you know, the actual heritage of the ingredient. And for home cooks like me, that's amazing, because it means I know what to do with half a tub of gochujang paste, and, you know, a quarter of a little, you know, glass jar of ha- rose harissa. So we shouldn't stop it. We just need to do it right.
1: Indeed, indeed. Now, uh, so there's, there's been some very sort of clumsy examples over the last however many years. Um, it's interesting to, to have it sort of spelt out so clearly. Having a, a previous discussion I had, um, somebody suggested that, um, well, we'll, <coughs> we'll take English dishes and we'll make them with... Yeah, Ingredients from around the world and yeah use French cooking techniques and see how you like that and they go Well, you've just described every restaurant that opened in the last four decades So that's not quite <laughs> so it's quite useful to have this in a much clearer style I'm, I'm saying I mean going forward what what should we be doing or how if a chef is using an ingredient um, How should they handle it? What should they do to acknowledge Um, how they found it, why they like it, what they're doing with it, but still nod back to the original culture? Is that sufficient or is there more they can be?
2: I think there's a big responsibility on chefs, but not only chefs. It's food writers, Mm -hmm. it's recipe developers, it's restaurateurs. And you know there are some red flags to look out for. The minute you work with an ingredient or a recipe that is precious to people, then you have to make sure you understand that recipe. You under you understand its cultural heritage, its history, how it's used in its original state. Yes, um, and and so doing the research and the research. Doing the research and getting the insights is extremely important. It's also important to speak to people from that community and champion and platform them because very often you'll see um, chefs from a majority culture, in our case white will take an ingredient, they learn about the ingredient from a bunch of people. Those people are potentially struggling with lack of opportunities, funding, openings, and they'll just take it and leverage it and commercialise it. And where they've got the, got the details from, the, those, those people just get slightly marginalised. So think about how you can put something back. For restaurateurs, it's things like education. So where you're using ingredients that are, you know, not commonly known or um, a little bit different, unusual, uh, potentially not from the mainstream, then talk about them, educate your audiences. Um, and then don't perpetuate stereotypes. You know, don't use words and language. Chai tea, classic example, chai means <laughs> tea. And here's, I'm finished by telling you, anytime you see a word you don't understand, in another language, try and find out what it means because you wouldn't say TT, would you? <laughs> Just like you wouldn't say "non bread mm-hmm. or pilau rice. "Non" is bread, pilau mm-hmm. is made of rice, lentil dal. Dal is made of lentils, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Then, yeah, we, well, we are talking about a country that refers to a PIN number. So, <laughs> so um, it, <laughs> may, it may take some people a little longer, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, Malika Vasu, thank you so much for your time.
2: Not at all. Thank you for having me.
0: so interesting to hear that what are your thoughts on this what, 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 as well as what you could take out of that chat but what are your thoughts on, on the whole thing about what the blogger said and, and all of that kind of thing
1: well I think a lot of the, the knee-jerk reaction to what the, the, the blogger said was not what the blogger had actually said I think, as, as Malika as, as we discussed at the, the top of the interview so I think people did deliberately misinterpret for column inches and for um, some sort of yeah, just sort of stirring up that, just a, trying to make a little sort of drama out of it. However, it's a, it's a bigger it's a bigger story, it's a bigger concept, and as Malika says, it's it's so easy to get it right. It's such a simple thing to get right, and people are becoming more educated about food. Actually, expecting pushing them a little in that direction. I don't think there's any. Any bad thing, I think you know, can be forgiven for the occasional moment of clumsiness, um, which I think is one of the one of the nuances in a lot of these debates that gets missed. I think that an awful lot of It's not not trying to be offensive. I'm just clumsy, um, and you can just point out if somebody's made a mistake and ask them not to do it again. You don't have to throw your toys out of the pram, scream and shout, claim it's. A much bigger agenda. For the most part, certainly on a personal level, I'm very, very capable of being an absolute arse and very clumsy and getting something wrong. And I'd much rather somebody just said, by the way, could you not do that? Do it this way. You know it doesn't take much, it's easy to it's easy to sort, and it's all it's a lot more constructive.
0: Yeah, I, I for me it is one again one of these things where yeah. Things just get taken to such an extent, don't they? Of what's offensive, what isn't offensive. um There's so much stuff that we see on a day to day basis. Of actually, unless I hadn't seen this on social media, I probably wouldn't even have thought about it. And it's kind of stuff that's put in front of us that makes you go, oh, hang on a minute. And I'm sure that a lot of the people that are involved sort of on the other side of these arguments where they may be a part of it, never really considered it. And and I think good food is good food. And I don't think whether it's I'm having an Italian or I'm having a Chinese or I'm having whatever, as long as someone is going to a restaurant, is ordering food or is doing whatever, as long as that food is good... It you know it doesn't really matter how it's described, and I think we get so politically correct and politically sensitive over some of these things. When actually it makes no difference, and I don't think it really makes that much difference to the people at the core of it. Sometimes I'm not excusing it. I agree with you that a lot of times it's lazy.
1: Oh, I'll get out for Chinese tonight, or I'm I'm ordering an Italian or whatever. that's that's perfectly acceptable because it is it is chinese food it is italian food it's just that they they are dishes i mean you can it's it's when you get more into the details and more into the nuance of stuff i mean a friend always says about sort of italy where you can go to villages 300 yards apart in a region famous for its ravioli and they'll disagree on how you make it it's not (laughs) there is this nuance but it's still ravioli it's still italian food it's just the nitty-gritty that changes in those Well, instances. it's that whole thing, isn't it, oh, yeah. bolognese, you know,
0: and its origins and what really makes a bolognese and all of this kind of thing. And, you know, I've seen interviews with with chefs and things in Italy where they go, you can't call it this and you can't do that and you can't do the other. And, and, yeah, I get it. But at the end of the day, food is food is food is food. And,
1: yeah. um, and as I say, quite often in Italy, they can't can't agree village to village. Um, which is which is part of the charm, and, and it's something we I think that should be kind of celebrated as opposed to, and as you say, quite often the people that are taking offense are not the ones directly affected, they're the ones kind of looking for a reason to be offended. And if somebody is offended, it's so much easier just to say, By the way, let's have a calm discussion and explain. And then the majority of people, I think, I think we are still all. Fairly decent at heart. We'll just go. Sorry about that. I'll do my best. And again, as I say, if if, if I forget and refer to something incorrectly, I'd much rather somebody said, "Oh, you called it that." I said, "Ah, oh, man, sorry." It's yeah. It's, it's clumsiness. It's not just. It's always oh, years of. Well, as, as I think I said in the in the piece. I mean, this is a this is a group of people. We are talking about countries country that refers to pin numbers. So, <laughs> um, so sort of you know, the other personal identification number number. Um, we we do it a lot with certain phrases and expressions. They've just kind of fallen into use. Um, maybe it'll change over time, I think. Uh, so the younger people are into food um, and the more they're exposed to many different things. And we are starting to see from the Chinese, the Italian, etc., the, the Indian restaurants, lots of things done on a regional basis as opposed to it's just an Indian. Maybe ultimately we will be saying, well, so, we'll, we will be going for Hyderabadi food. We will be going for Punjabi food. It will be that nuanced and, and the knowledge will be that deep. Or just say, going for a nice Indian food. Or I had a nice Indian meal the other night and explain what it is uh, and don't try and pass it off as your own. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm
0: with you. I, I mean, I've got to say, <laughs> I, I'm not meaning to belittle the conversation whatsoever. But I am gonna throw in something that really does wind me up. And actually, this could go in the wind-up thing, is that an oat cake is, <laughs> is a Staffordshire oatcake that you have with bacon, cheese, beans, whatever. It's not a Scottish biscuit. And it's not a Derbyshire oat cake that the, the, the Harry Bikers did as well. It's a Staffordshire oatcake that's meant to be savoury and da-da-da-da-da. Um, and and on that bombshell, yeah, that, that's where I yeah. Mm. Oh, I'm just having oatcakes and cheese. No no, 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 It's melted under a grill. Blah blah. blah. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I get it. And you know, by, so by
1: I, a common language, you know,
0: I'm not I'm not trying to belittle it, but what, my thing is is that making issues out of something that isn't an issue when for the majority of people it isn't
1: is just. Uh, yeah, I yeah. don't know. I just... The the, uh, the bulk of column inches from that from the curry debate came about people misreporting it in the first place. Yeah, so I think yeah, it would people want want to generate a knee-jerk reaction? They want people to get upset. They want to roll people because it it gets reaction. It gets click-throughs. It's 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 verbal clickbait. Yeah. Um, so. No, hopefully as I say, it was a it was a very interesting discussion. Um and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll all we'll all do a little bit better going forward. And if we don't, tell us and we'll try it the next time. <laughs> yeah.
0: So um where what's on the agenda for the next few weeks? Where are you going, what are you doing?
1: Well, uh hopefully if all things if we're still allowed to travel, um I am well tonight I shall be uh, sampling yet more Hamon Iberico with, uh, uh, down at uh, one of Jose Pizarro's places and hopefully in two, three weeks time I will actually be in Spain with Jose himself having a little tour of the De Heta, see the, the the home of Hamon Iberico and uh, Jerez as well um, and go and drink some sherry which is not the worst assignment in the world No, sounds good, sounds really good So what about yourself? Uh, yeah, a couple of things lined up. Um, off to
0: the vines at Cardin Park on Friday, which I'm really looking forward to. I'm really looking forward to the tasting menu there. Um, Fisher's at Baslow Hall uh, on Saturday. Um, yeah, lunch there, so really looking forward to that as well. So, yeah, a few things coming up. Um, a couple of some of the Christmas parties. As much as I hate to think about it, already. Uh, are starting to filter through and a um, few celebrations of as much as I hate it sometimes how Christmas can come really early is is the fact that with so many of these there's a uh, a local business to me that's a wine uh, a wine retailer that is celebrating Christmas in a couple of weeks time but I'm just really glad that they're still going you know and it's it should be a celebration that after everything they've been through, that they are still here and they're celebrating Christmas and the, those kind of things, um, and they're having a party down at um, Freight Island, which is a fantastic thing that you've been to. I know um, when you were up in Manchester, they're having a bit of a Christmas party there. So, yeah, as much as my wife is always on at me that you know I'm moaning about Christmas and things like that, and i always think it you know it gets earlier and earlier every year. But there's so much to celebrate. I think with hospitality this year that they've come through it for those that are still going. I feel so badly for those that have not got through to this, but we've got to celebrate it. And I don't really care when they have their Christmas party. It can be next week because they've got through it and they, they've they've done it. And I just fingers crossed that, you know, we don't have another situation over Christmas and things like that. So, yeah, few places uh lined up which really really looking forward to and um yeah all good mate all good
1: fantastic well i guess we shall we shall reconvene for december and uh discuss christmas that little bit uh that little bit more then definitely please please get in touch with us if you
0: you want to add in your little peeves or your pet hates around some of the things in food and drink um then we're at the bar at startersandsides.com So it's the bar at startersandsides.com Jump on um jump on Twitter, jump on Instagram, um, you know, tag us in. Um it'd be great to see some of the places that you're going out and about and drinking and, and eating and or well, producers that you've come across. Um, we'd we'd love to 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 hear more from you. So yeah please please stay in touch with us. And yeah, thanks mate and uh, enjoy wherever you go whatever you do I'm not jealous at all um,
2: <laughs> likewise mate as always no,
1: let's go out, we'll, we'll get out there we'll, let's go and support that industry definitely and we'll reconvene in a few weeks alright mate you take care cheers